Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. so excited to be worshiping together with you this morning. So whether you're joining us online or in person here at Kentucky Trail, get up on your feet. We're going to worship the God who does impossible things. I don't know what you're facing this morning, but our God says no matter what, he can do it. So let's lift him up this morning as we sing. Dry bones rattling. Yeah. 
that God is able to save and deliver and heal. And I know that's true because when God was faced with all of eternity, he looked to you and he came and died on the cross. And so we're going to lift him up this morning as we continue to worship. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin. Lost without hope and no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in. When death was arrested and my life began, ash was redeemed, only beauty remains. And my orphan heart was given a name. My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested and my life began. Oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have made My chains, I'm a prisoner no more. My shame was a ransom, me faithfully bore. He canceled my debt and he called me his rebel. When death was arrested, my life.
Let's see the promise. Your buried body. 
Awesome, awesome start to our day. What a great time of worship, man. It is so good to see you today, to worship with you. It truly is a blessing each and every week. Hey, before we get going, before we do anything else today, let's recognize an amazing group of people. They're called Real Life Church Online. So they're seeing me wave at them, but they're going to hear you shout it up big. Come on. Real Life Church Online, you are welcome. We're worshiping right there with you. We're honored to have you today. So throw up those likes and those hearts and click on the links and comment to each other. And I'm going to give you a few more laundry lists of things to do. Hey, everyone in the room, let's go ahead and have a seat. Smile at somebody. Let's go ahead and have a seat. Let's keep things going. Man, if you are brand new with us today, let me say a hearty welcome. Welcome. We are just honored that you're here today. You are a true uh, special guest to us, and that's including if you're online or right here in the room. If you're online, your step right now is to be clicking that link you're seeing in the comments if you're brand new. But if you're in the room, I'm going to invite you to get your phone out right now and text RL New to 97,000 if you've never done that before. We would just love to connect with you this week completely digitally, get to know you a little bit, answer any questions that you might have about Real Life Church and see how we can be praying for you. So if you've never done that before, reach out to us uh, with a text message and, and don't leave here today. Don't leave this building without going by our new here booth. We have a small gift for you. Danielle's gonna be there. She wants to say hi to you, make you feel so welcome, answer any questions you might have. And we just wanna honor you with a small gift today from the bottom of our heart. Thanks for being here with us at Real Life Church. So a little bit more about us guys here at Real Life Church. We're a church on a mission, okay? That mission goes beyond the Sunday morning gathering, the time we worship together, the time we celebrate who God is. Man, our mission starts when we leave those doors and we go to work. When we leave those doors and we interact with our neighbors, our family members, the people that are close to us, and maybe some of those people are far from God. That's our mission. And that mission even better said than what I just did is to see people far from God discover their real life and purpose in 
Jesus. And I just want to encourage you right now. You might be between churches. This might be the first time that you have been to church ever or in a really long time. Maybe you didn't feel like coming out today and you wanted to see what was happening there on the live stream. You know what? Wherever you are, man, God has a place for you at Real Life Church. And I'm just going to make that that uh, that ask for you right here. You know, what would happen in your life if you joined us on mission? What would happen if you planted some roots down at Real Life Church and made a huge impact in our community? I tell you, it's going to be something amazing if you do. But hey, um, I just hope that where, whatever God has for you, that you'll get planted somewhere. But man, I'm telling you what, man, Real Life Church would love to have you. Well, I have a question for you guys. What does it take to get to the blessed life? What does it take to get there? It's found in yoga. It's found in meditation. Is it found in a financial plan? Is it found in the latest diet craze or exercise fad? No, it actually is. I'm going to give you a spoiler right now. It's not found in any of those places, okay? The key to the blessed life is found in something that each and every one of us can do. We could do it kind of easily, to be quite honest. It's actually something in our lives that we greatly underestimate. It's found in our generosity. So I want you to lean in today. If you've got version, I want you to get that up and going. You're going to want to follow along with these notes today. There's a lot of gold in there. As Belton's own, he, we found out today that he's got like this nickname. It's Belton Berry. Belton Berry Hardy is going to bring us an amazing word today. You're going to get so much out of it. Will you make him feel welcome today as we are blessed with the word? Come on, Belton Berry. Belton Berry. I go from Bishop Berry to Belton Berry. I don't know what's next, Drew. You got something on deck? next week. I know that I don't want to really do the belt and berry thing because then I make all my Raymore peeps. They feel a little uncomfortable, right? Oh, I forgot. You are Raymore guy, right? You got to love Belton. We make you guys feel good, right? <laughs> Man, welcome to Real Life. You guys excited to be here today? Man, we are in the middle of a generosity series and everybody's so excited about talking about money at church, right? Oh, there we got you. Now, I felt so bad for Sean when he started off last week because here's the thing. Nobody wants to come to church to hear about money. But I thought it was awesome how Sean turned and talked about what God's got for us today. Because he said, you know, really this is the important part of what the takeaway was yesterday, or uh, last week. If you didn't hear it, go back and listen to it. Because God doesn't care about your money. God wants something much more dangerous from you. He wants your heart. Man, it was so cool just to see Pastor Sean just weave the scriptures in and out. And to see that God's got something big for us. And that money and our heart are tied together at some level. But God really wants our heart. So we're going to continue this week on generosity. And generosity is something that, I, this, when I look at people that are really just, you know, impress me or I look up to or respect, man, generosity is usually one of the top virtues they've got in their life. And it almost seems like today that generosity is less and less, you know, apparent among so many people that I, that I you know, listen to or on social media or just around. And I don't know if it's because I'm getting older and I'm getting crotchety. I think that's what my wife says, you know. You're just getting old and mean. And I'm like, well, that, maybe that's true. But how many times does just generosity seem like it's lacking? And I'm not talking about just money here. I'm talking about maybe like an attitude. We were less generous with people. And who knows, you've heard conversations about politics, about culture, or the dreaded C word, not cancer, COVID, right? Man, you get a conversation going about those things, and most often, generosity's out the door. It's because I'm right and you're wrong. You're stupid, I'm smart. And it turns in a lot of name-calling, and, and generosity just goes. And I was telling the first crew this morning, I was listening to a really important philosopher. You might know him. His name's Dave Chappelle. You guys know Dave Chappelle, the philosopher? 
man, he, he was talking about, uh, if you don't know what's going on in Dave's life, he just did a, a Netflix uh, deal, and there's a lot of controversy and things about it. But he made this point, and I thought it was very appropriate. He said, you know, he goes, I miss the days where he goes, we can have a disagreement about something. He goes, but we still care about each other, and we love each other. And that's the thing that I love about Jesus. And the most important thing that I think that Jesus brings, besides our, aside of our salvation, is this beautiful thing called a church. And the, the beautiful thing about a church is that when we are at our best, we are truly reflect, reflecting what God's got for us. And Jesus' heart is this, is that we're united. Because the things that divide us aren't nearly as important as the things that unites us. So whatever, whatever it is that we gather together and we have in, in, you know, indifference, whether it's race, or whether it's class, or whether it's you know, politics or ideology, those things pale in comparison to the thing that unites us, which is God's generosity, God's grace. Those are the things that allow us to call each other brother and sister, allow us to live in community, to live for what God's got for us. And so generosity is so important. And as we dive into that today, I hope you guys come away with that sense that generosity is what is going to bring satisfaction in your life. So I do think that we would be remiss if we didn't take a quick second and just have some generosity towards some other people that deserve honor. And I don't know if we have anybody here today, but we just celebrated Veterans Day, I think, on Thursday. And so it's kind of Veterans Day uh, weekend. So I don't know if we have anybody here that has served in the military, but if you are, would you please stand? We'd like to take a minute just to honor you guys, or whether you're online following, following along online and you served. Man, we would just like to take a moment and honor you. Can we give, can we give everybody that served as a veteran just a big round of applause? You know, one of the things I think about, because a lot of my family served, and they put themselves in some really dangerous situations, and, and uh, Jesus talks about there's no greater love than somebody that will lay his life down for his brother. And anybody that served walks into a situation where they might have lost their life, and what they've given us is just an ability to have freedoms and to do things that we just take for granted a lot of times, like even meeting in a room like this just to talk about Jesus. So again, if you're a veteran, thank you so much for your faithfulness and to, to protect those freedoms. <clears throat> Can I ask you guys a question? You guys have a bucket list. Anybody here have a bucket list? Online, if you have a bucket list, shoot me something out online that you on your bucket list. If you have a bucket list here, tell me some of the things that are on your bucket list. Every Major League Baseball Oh, you want to go to every Major League Baseball stadium. All right, that's cool. You can go see, go see the Royals. Uh, <laughs> what, else, what else you guys got? Walk the whole thing? Oh, you're going to bike it? Oh, we got some, we got some takers. You guys going to do off. I've been on part of it. Eh, that's a good one, though. What else? I thought you were going to tell me the Appalachian Trail. Do what? <laughs> yeah, I did see that I think they landed a helicopter up there or the first time they ever got up that high. Man, there's so many things that can be on a bucket list. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that movie, but, you know, there's so many cool things that go on. it. And I was starting to think for myself, what was my bucket list, you know? I always said that skydiving was on my bucket list, and then my, then my wife called my bluff, and she made me do it, and tried to kill me, so that's no longer there, and I accomplished that. You know, when I was a kid, one of the things I always wanted to have, do you guys ever remember the show Knight Rider? Kit, that cool Trans Am, that was on my bucket list at one time. But, you know, world travel, that's another one my wife called me out this morning. Do you guys know what, or where Bora Bora is? Have you ever seen that place? Huh? If you haven't seen Bora Bora, it is one of the most beautiful places on this planet. You've, I'm sure you've seen pictures. It's one of those places where they've got like the huts that you stay in. They're out over the water and they've got like these, 
these walkways that go over the water that connect them. Man, if you're at Bora Bora, man, your life is on easy street. You sit there and people bring you fresh food, fresh seafood. You got the little umbrella drinks. Man, you got it made in the shade at Bora Bora. And so the reason we were talking about it was I have a 25th anniversary coming up in about a year. Can you believe that she's put up with me for almost that long? I know, right? And people say miracles don't happen every day, right? So we started looking. I was like, oh, dude, that sounds cool. I've seen the pictures. Has anybody priced what it takes to get to Bora Bora? Oh, it is. Uh, yeah, it's almost like a house, right? So for $10,000 a person, that will get you to Bora Bora. I'm like, oh, babe, I love you. I want to celebrate our 25th anniversary in style, but we might be looking at Branson Branson, not Bora Bora. <laughs> Because come on now, we got some putt-putt down there. We got some, we got some uh, race cars. We can do it. I, the ducks are gone, so we'll have to scratch that off the list. But Bora, I think Bora Bora is out. So here's the thing about a bucket list. We've all had them at some level, right? And things that we think that we want to do, things that we want to accomplish, and again, that movie is like at the end of their lives. They're like, I want to do this. I want to do that. I, wanna, I, wanna hap- I want this to happen. And I don't know what's on your bucket list. But when we make a bucket list, here's the reality of what we're talking or what our intention is with it. That if we were to accomplish the things on our bucket list, we would be satisfied. And so the question that I want to talk about with you guys today is this. Is that really true? Is that really true? That if you were able to accomplish everything that you had on your bucket list, I don't know what it is. If it's $5 million by the time you're 55 or go to Mount Everest or travel the world or ride a bull. I know there's some crazy guys out here, right? So some of you guys out here would do that. If you were able to pull all those things off, would you truly be happy? And most of us would say, yeah, that, if I had the pictures and the trophies to prove that I did all that at the end of my life, I know I would be satisfied. And I'm not sure that's the case. Because we've seen a lot of people that have done the things that we want to do and been the places that we want to go. Something's still missing. You know, I like to think of this of the sports deal. Hey, if I got a bucket list, I'm thinking of this guy right here. My new, my new, I, my bucket list is set low. I want to beat Aaron Chai in pickleball. I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but that's now on my bucket list. That just that one just popped in. Keep praying. Keep praying that's right. <laughs> keep praying. Keep practicing. It's never going to happen. But I think of sports, and I think of the Super Bowls and the World Series that come along. And so many people dedicate and they they give everything their whole lives just to win the Super Bowl or win the World Series. And oftentimes when you hear these people talk after the Disneyland trips are over and after the parades are done, these people get really depressed. A lot of them do because they've lost the mission. They've lost the purpose in their life, especially after they retire. I think that's why Tom Brady's still going. He doesn't have anything else to live for. Now, one of the greatest football players ever, and he's won so many Super Bowls, but when it's all said and done in 200 years, there's going to be very few people like, like they might know Tom Brady's name. But that's going to be it. Nobody's going to care. Nobody's, it's not going to mean anything. And that's the thing that he's dedicated his whole life to. And again, I'm not calling out just Tom Brady. You know, anything that we accomplish we want to give our life to, sometimes it doesn't bring the satisfaction that we think that it's going to. And that's because as human beings, we get things so out of sort. And this isn't a new problem. This has happened forever. And Jesus tells a really cool story. There's a really cool story about Jesus in Luke chapter 12, where he's telling and talking to people about the most important things in life and there's some people that still miss it. So this story lays out in Luke chapter 12, and this is where we're going to get started. And the story begins, and Jesus is surrounded by thousands of people. And they're thronging him, and they're running over him, and talking about people getting trampled. 
they're running over his disciples, and he finally gets everybody settled. And he starts talking about the things that are most important, the things that he has to tell humanity that God wants them to know. And he starts off with some really practical things, and he says, beware of the leaven of the, of the Pharisees. He's talking about hypocrisy. He's like, don't be like them. He goes, don't be hypocritical. And these are the religious leaders of the day. These are like the pastors, the priests, the guys that are supposed to have it together. And Jesus is like, hey, guys, watch out for them. Because they say one thing, but they do another. And he also tells us this. He's like, hey, whatever you think that you're doing in secret, everything that happens in the dark, one of these days, it's going to pop out. It's going to be shouted from the rooftop. And this was the days before Facebook and social media, right? Now it happens a little faster than it used to. But more often than not, that paradigm always happens. Because whatever we do in secret goes out. Jesus is talking about the most important things. And he goes into this. He talks about heaven and hell. And he talks about receiving the forgiveness of God and being connected with God for eternity and spending our lives with him in that. And, or you can be separated. And these are the things that Jesus is really drilling into. When you're talking about salvation, you're talking about heaven and hell, man, what, how, you can't get any more important than that. So put yourself in that situation because I think sometimes the Bible's not real to us is because we don't put ourselves in that situation. Imagine this whole crowd and we gathered with thousands of other people and we just surrounded this guy. We've heard about him and he's heard about his teaching and he comes and he's just telling us the coolest things we've ever heard because the Pharisees haven't told us this. The other religious leaders, they don't, they don't trust us with these truths. And Jesus is out here telling us exactly what we need to know. Man, wouldn't that be cool? What would the questions be on your mind? What would you want to tell Jesus if you were in that room, if you were in that crowd? You know, I think that I would ask these really awesome, profound questions. But more likely, I'd probably be like this next guy that comes up and asks Jesus or tells Jesus something, ask him a favor. So I want you guys to read with me here. <clears throat> After all this is going on, Jesus is telling people all these important things. A guy out of the crowd shows up. And you'll read this in uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 13. And it says this, someone in the crowd said to him, talking about Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Really? Man, all right. Do you guys have the family member or the friend that everything is about money? You guys ever have them? I want my inheritance. All right. I know that you guys have known this or heard about it. You guys ever had a death in the family? And everybody's like, oh, yeah, we're so sad. Grandma's gone. Two days later, it's like, boom, boom, boom. That ever happened? You ever see that? Well, that's what's going on here. Jesus is sitting here telling these, this crowd and this guy, because he's in the crowd, the most important things they need to know about heaven and hell, about connection with God, being saved by grace, being forgiven of all the sins of his life, and what's on the forefront of his mind? Money. He wants his dad's stuff. Why? It's because in reality, he hears Jesus talk about these other things, and he discounts what Jesus has to say. Because really, he has faith in something else that Jesus isn't talking about. So the question becomes is, are we like this guy? What is our faith really in? What do we think is going to bring satisfaction in our lives? Is it a bucket list, or is it accumulations? Is it possessions? Because Jesus has all these important things for us, whether it's don't be a hypocrite, or don't hide in the dark, or be reconciled to God. And oftentimes, we're a lot like this guy. We're worried about our dad's Mercedes. Now, I don't really have to worry about that. I'm a little lucky. My dad's what we like to call a hoarder. Do you guys know a hoarder? Maybe you are. Anybody in here a hoarder? My dad doesn't throw anything away. <clears throat> and I know there's a generation, and again, there's some good things to that. But the stuff my dad saves, nobody wants. So my dad worked in these oil wells, and they had a barn full of stuff. And there was all these clothes 
and it had oil all over them and raccoon feces on it. He even had my car seat from when I was like two years old. He's like, hey, somebody can use that. I'm like, uh, legally they can't, number one. Number two, there is no cushion left anymore. It's all plastic. Ah, somebody will use it. So I get this dumpster. I get this big box put out in front of the shop. And when he's not there, me and my stepmom, we're just throwing it all away. You think my dad was happy with me? He was ticked. He did nothing better than seeing a guy that's a little overweight reaching up over a dumpster and trying to reach and throw stuff out, dumpster diving at his own stuff, right? And I told my dad, I said, hey, I got one brutal fact for you. Whether it happens today or whether it happens in 30 or 40 years, whenever you're done, this stuff's all going in a box. Whether you like it or not, that's what's going to happen. The things that we have so much value in are ultimately going to be thrown away because the other people aren't going to find value in them eventually. The things that we, we live and we pursue and we invest in, most people don't care about. I remember a great, you know, grabbing baseball cards when I was a kid. You know, I loved them. I invested in them. I wanted them. Bo Jackson's rookie card. And some of those things are worth a little money, but the vast majority of them are trash. They're not worth the paper they're printed on. And that's the reality of most of our possessions. And so when we think of what God's called us to, what God has for us, Most of the time, we're so busy looking for satisfaction in a bucket list to accumulate, to have, because we think that's what is going to bring satisfaction in the thing that we need. Here's what I really love about Jesus. I don't know if I can say this in church, Diane, but I'm going to. Can I tell you? Yeah, she she gave me permission. Do you guys hear that? Can I tell you, Jesus is a gangster. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Man, do you guys ever see the videos on Facebook or whatever, and you see somebody just like go bam, and they lay down some truth, and you get the sunglasses on, and they play the music, thug life, right? So here's the guy shows up to Jesus and says, hey, make, you know, make my brother give me an inheritance. And Jesus, the gangster, shows up and he said, oh, you want to talk about money? All right. That's not what I was talking about, but let's talk about money, because I'll tie it in. I'll tie it back into what I was talking about. And Jesus lays a hammer on him. Luke chapter 12, 14 and 15, Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? And then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed because life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Man, Jesus knows how to bring it home. Jesus is talking about eternity. This guy's talking about the temporary, about possessions. And Jesus said, watch out, be careful. God has a warning here for us. God had a warning for him. And it's, this idea, in the Greek, there's this idea of being covetousness, and having and coveting things, everything, wanting it all. Because that's what you have is what you find your identity in. And it sounds a lot like what we do, because the idea being behind uh, covetousness here is that money and possessions are a pathway to what? Satisfaction. If I can just get the next iPhone, you know, if I can get the next Tesla, you know, all right? I'll take a Tesla if anybody's got one, though. I'll I'll hold that for you. I'll borrow it. I need a house that has 2,500 square feet, has granite, has marble floors, whatever that might be, whatever we have as a status symbol that we think is going to make us happy. Nobody wants what I talked about last time, the studio apartment with 200 square feet. But the thing is, the possessions that we think will bring satisfaction and hope and encouragement in our life, they leave us feeling empty. And I could sit here and spend the next hour talking about success stories in in America of people that have had it all and they're not happy. 
Because I know some of you guys in here watch the Real Housewives shows, right? Whether it's Orange County or Atlanta or whatever. These guys have money, and are they happy? No. Money does not bring happiness. God's giving us a warning here. Generosity is where we should be at. And our identity does not consist of how big our bank account is. It does not consist of what kind of vehicles we drive. It doesn't consist, our identity is not who or what our retirement account looks like. But everything that we possess and everything that we live for and die for oftentimes is to that end. So here's the other thing I love about Jesus. Because it would be really easy just for Jesus to sit here and give a lecture. I'm like, and he'd say, you know, you can't do this and you should do this. But Jesus does it in a way that we understand. And he tells that crew, and we can pick up on this because he gives us a really powerful story that brings home the truth of what greed does to us and the lack of generosity brings in our life. So would you guys read with me this story real quick in Luke chapter 12, 16 through 20. So Jesus comes in on this and says, he told them this parable. And he says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So this field just produced above and beyond that it normally would. It's a huge harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. All right, I want to pause right there for a second. Because here's a really interesting thing as we read this story. I want you guys to listen for a certain word, a certain idea. And it's I or mine. And then I want you guys to put yourself in that place. Who's he talking about? What does he care about? And he says, then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And then God replies and says to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Who will get what you've prepared for yourself? You guys ever ask that question? I might be Belton Berry, but I'm also Morbid Berry. Do you guys ever have that spot? Like, okay, here, go with me. This is how I do it. If you guys walk out today, you get in your car and you leave, and you get hit out here on 155th and you die, does this make you guys happy? <laughs> Who gets your stuff? Who gets all your stuff? Yeah, you might have a will. You might have a trust. You might have a plan. But nobody will care about your stuff the way that you do, because they don't have the same investment. And yeah, your kids want the Mercedes, they want the Rolex, they want the retirement insurance policy, whatever that is. But ultimately, those things aren't you. Those aren't what define you. That's not really who you are. Those are just the things that are around you. Those are things or tools in your life. But we so many times we give and we seek and we, we search just to have those things in our life. And Jesus has given us a warning here. He says, Death will not protect you from the ultimate, the ultimate end. And you can't take those things with you. This guy had the ultimate bucket list. Who doesn't want that list? You know, so many people talk about, when are you going to retire? Because in retirement, we have this idea, man, I'm going to be on easy street. I'm going to eat, drink, be merry. Man, it is going to be good. I was talking to a lady at Casey's down here. Who I talk to her all the time. She's got a piece of ground down by the lake. And she's got all these big plans, which that's really cool. There's nothing wrong with those things. But we've all got a plan, and we always have the idea that we're going to find our satisfaction or our hope. And if those don't come true, then we've missed out. But really, does that satisfaction bring true riches to our life? Because really what God's called us to, and he's calling us in this story, is to have real riches. So what do real riches look like? 
And to understand a little bit more of this story, I think it's hard as Americans in the 21st century to really understand what was happening here. Because he's telling a story about a farmer, and these people wouldn't have missed this. Because this farmer, he had more than he ever needed. He took it all in, and he had to build new barns just to bring in his whole harvest. Well, the rules were in the Old Testament, God gave the, the, the Jews was this. If you were a farmer and you harvest a field, you could only harvest it once. You weren't supposed to go back over it again because they were doing it by hand. They didn't have combines. And to pick up all the last little bit, you were supposed to leave that. And you didn't go all the way to the edges. You were supposed to leave that. Do you guys know why? And it was for this one reason. It was for the poor people or the people that were traveling through to be able to have a way to survive and eat. And here's the weird thing, and it happened then and it happens now. We have this weird vision of what being rich and being poor is. And we miss the idea there's kind of a third way that God looks at these things. And it's not really the way that we look at it. Because I've seen, I've seen two, two, two diametrically opposed views. Because on this one side, you'll have a group of people that says, you know, I've been blessed by God, therefore I'm rich. That means he, he loves me, he cares about me. And if you're poor, that means mean there's something wrong with you. And that you don't have the best in your life because you don't have enough. And then I've also heard stories from this other side. Well, if you're rich, that means you've taken advantage of somebody and you've stolen somebody that didn't really belong to you and you've, you've used them. And if you're poor, you're a victim and therefore you have a virtuous uh, you know, identity about you. You really should be given everything just to make up for what they did to you. And neither one of those ideas are true. And Jesus, in, his, in God, and really in his wisdom, in the, in, in the law, he, he provided a third way. And this is kind of where we're going to hone in today. What does generosity look like for us as a people of God? In the same way that the Jews were a people of God, what did generosity look like for them? And so these laws, they weren't just laws to be laws. They were there for an intention and a purpose. And what they did was this. When they left the edges and they only went over the field once, it gave the less fortunate, the needy, an ability to go out and survive. They were able to go out and gather what they needed and have enough food, it gave them dignity. And then the second thing it did was this, is it created a heart of generosity in the giver. Because God didn't say that the field wasn't the farmers, or that the barns were a bad thing. But he didn't want us to hold on too tightly to the things that God had blessed us with. Because the reality is, when we start holding on too tightly to the things that we think are ours, they, in reality, they have a hold of us. And that's been true in my life. The things that I've given myself for, that were outside of God's, you know, gracious riches, the things that I think that I needed or wanted, they ended up consuming me. And I don't know if that's the case with you, but my guess is that that has been the reality. We talked earlier about generosity and having a heart of generosity, and it's what I like seeing in people. I'm sure it's what you like seeing in people. What's the opposite of being generous? You guys ever know a greedy person? Think of a greedy, run this thought experiment with me real quick. Think of a greedy person that you know right now. If you happen to be sitting with them or next to them, don't elbow them. Don't call them out, okay? All right, does everybody have that guy or that woman in mind? Think of that greedy person. Now, second question is this. What kind of person are they? Are they happy? Are they joyful? The people that I know that are the greediest, they're the most all-consuming. They never have enough. They're also people without joy in their life. They have no compassion. They have no love. There's a, we're coming up on Christmas, the most, one of the most famous stories that's been told over and over and remade and remade is a Christmas carol, Scrooge, right? There's a reason why that story lands so hard, because we recognize the fact that somebody that is so greedy 
is so poor in spirit, and then he's redeemed at the end of the story. So think of it in the redemption, think what God's called us to be. Think of a generous person that you know, or a generous group of people. What's the characteristics that you see in them? Man, I see happiness, I see joy. And being generous isn't an economic status because some of the most generous people that I know are very, very poor. And I also know some very, very generous, wealthy people. And it's not the status of what they have that defines them as being generous. It's their ability to lean in and use what they have to give back to God because they know ultimately it is all a blessing. Everything that they have comes from God and they don't hold it too tightly. And that's such a hard thing to do, but it's what God calls us, calls us to do. Because Jesus is very, very worried, and he cares about who we are and where we're going. So if I asked you a question, and you thought about what is the number one topic that Jesus talked about when he was on earth, what would you think it would be? Because in my mind, I would think, well, God probably talked about salvation, right? That's got to be number one. Oh, it wasn't that. Well, maybe heaven. Was he talking about heaven or hell or Satan? No, those weren't, the, those weren't the number one thing that he talked about. It blew my mind when I found this out. The number one topic that Jesus talked about was money. Isn't that weird? Isn't that strange? And I think it comes down to this one thing, is that he knows for humans that money, possessions, things that we accumulate are going to be the biggest competitors against him for our hearts and our minds and our lives. And so Jesus tells us that ultimately there's two ways for us to live. We can live as fools or we can be rich towards God. Here's how I'm going to lay this out. You guys like board games? Everybody loves board games. I don't know what your guys' favorites are. I love Trouble. I love Shoots and Ladders, Candyland. But my favorite was Trivial Pursuit because I like to be kind of a butthead. <laughs> Just being honest. But my second close one was this. You guys ever played a game called Monopoly? Ooh, who loves Monopoly? What's the goal of Monopoly? You're bankrupt everybody, take all their stuff. You want it all, right? Man, isn't it? I remember the first time I played with my dad. I'm like, I'm like, why do you want those properties over there? And he's like, oh, no reason. <laughs> he's all banking them. Hey, do you want to sell me that one? Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll say. He goes, I'll trade you that for a railroad. And I was getting set up the whole time. Can you believe it? It's the way a lot of times we feel life, life is. So here's the thing with Monopoly. Man, I've heard about friendships being ended over Monopoly games. You guys ever heard those stories? Or families divided. And man, it doesn't matter how it ends. After all the hours of playing Monopoly, however it ends, whether you flip the table. Come on now. I know somebody here flipped that table before, Right? It doesn't matter if it ended by a flip table or whether you guys ended peacefully and somebody won. It all ends the same way. And everything that you accumulated, whether it was the hotels or the properties or the thimble, who wants the thimble? Come on now. Everybody wants the cool little race car, right? But it doesn't matter what you accumulated. All of it goes back in the box. When it's over, it's done. And all the passion and energy and drive that we had to win that game, it ends. It's over in a moment, and it all goes back in the box. And that's, and that's the reality of what happens in our lives. Everything that we have and strive and gain, if it's all about us, it's about I and mine and I will, and it's my barns and my harvest, man, 
Eventually, it's going to go back in the box. Because in 100 years or 200 years, nobody's going to know you for the most part. Nobody's going to care what you did if it was all about you, if it was all about me. And God knows that. And God wants something bigger for us. Luke chapter 12, 21, he talks about people that have their whole focus on themselves in gaining and the possessions and the satisfaction that comes from bucket list. He said, if that's you, he goes, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but it's not rich towards God. And again, it's not wrong having these things. Having the field's good. Having a 401 account is great. But when we do and hang on to these things with the exclusion of having a heart towards the riches of God, man, we're like this fool that have missed the point of why we're here. God has called us to something bigger. So what does it look like to be rich towards God as an individual and as a church, as a community that is on mission to God? What does that look like? And it's simply this. Being rich towards God is leveraging your life towards the things that God says matter most. Leverage your life. Live for God. So I have to ask our, I'm asking you to ask yourself this question because I ask myself this question all the time. What am I currently aligning my life with? Because that will tell me what I really care about, what I have faith in, what I find satisfaction in. And for so many of us, we get in spots on our life and I've been there, and maybe you're there right now. And you're like, I don't have anything to give to God because I don't have any resources. I don't have anything, whether it's a lost job or a lost relationship or an addiction you're battling. And that's a lie from Satan because God doesn't care about the mount. And like I told you before, God's called us to be generous, and it's not what you have in the bank because we all have time, talents, and at some level possession. And God's called us to just be open-handed, to hold those things loosely because God takes the things that we have, and he expounds and he grows them exponentially further than we ever dreamed that we could have or do on our own. And we believe the lie that I'm in a season that I'm gonna focus on me, and then at some other point, then I'm gonna get on mission, and then I'm gonna be rich towards God. And can I tell you, that's just not how it works. It's not how it's worked in my life. And so many people that I, I respect that have money, you would probably never know that they do. But guess what? They're generous, but I knew them before they had money and they were generous then too. Money is one of those weird things. It doesn't change you. It almost cements you where you are. So if you're an ungenerous, greedy person when you don't have very much, you'll be the same way when you have a lot. It's just the way it is. We think that we can change and we can be better. I like to play, do you guys ever play the lottery game? Yeah, so when the lottery gets 300 million, 400 million, 500 million, I go, whoa, what can I do with that? I think I'm going to buy two tickets this time, right? Come on now, am I the only one? I know you guys do. Play the lottery game. If I had $300 million, man, real life would have a huge building, Diane. That's right. We'd have a big comfy chairs. You guys would be all in class out here. Man, we would have it done. I would retire all my friends and family. You guys wouldn't have to work anymore ever again. And everybody said... Amen, that's right. All right, come on, Barry, start playing the lottery. Here's the thing. The lottery's not gonna change our lives. Even if I really were to win and all those things happened, more, more money equals what? More problems. And a lot of people are like, well, I'd sure like to try. i sure like to try. Yeah, you think you would. 
Money does not change and make you better. It cements who you are. Because money, all it is is really it's a tool. And so if, if we want to hold on to what we have now tightly, man, the more we get, the, whole, the tighter we'll hold on. That's what the idea of being a greedy person is. The more they get, they're never, ever satisfied. The more things we check off that bucket list that aren't towards God, the tighter that we hold them. And the more unsatisfied we feel. God calls us to do a couple things, and it's why I love real life so much. Leadership here, starting with Sean and Diane, have, they've just acted this out. Because so many churches don't, and that's really where it comes down to. So many of us are scared because we've been burned to churches because all they want is my money, right? And I've heard that. I'm not, you guys aren't alone. I've heard that story. I've seen the televangelists like, God has called me to have a $300 million jet, or whatever that looks like, Right? And you hear the stories of these, you know, these little old widows that are on fixed pensions and sending in thousands and thousands of dollars just so this one guy can live the life of a king, basically. And we know we recoil from that. But here at Real Life, we have leadership that has just bought in and living on mission to what God's called. Deshaun will probably kill me for saying this. You will protect me, Diane. <laughs> now, I'm on my own on this one. I mean, can I tell you? that Sean did not take a salary for over a year and a half because he believed so much in the mission here that he was willing to invest his time and talents and energy into something God's called him to do. So in real life, I have, I have a basis that I'm like, yeah, these people are doing what God's called them to do. And again, it's not that they're perfect people, it's that they're rich towards God. And that's what you can get behind because God's called us to do that. So what's the audit in my life? If you wanna know what you care about, Look at what you invest in. You have two things, you have time and you have money. Those are the two things that we normally care about and we value. If I take stock at the end of the week, what did I spend my time on? What did I spend my money on? That audit will tell you everything you need to know. It will tell you what you truly value, what you think find, you find satisfaction in. Here at Real Life and in God's kingdom, God's called us to be rich towards him. And we do that by valuing two other things. The first one is we value the eternal here. I mean, Jesus was talking to these thousands of people and he gave them the truth that there's a heaven and a hell that are real, that the only satisfaction is found in a relationship with God through his son, Jesus. Our sins can be forgiven through having that relationship with him. So that's the eternal that we bring. That's the eternal message of hope that God has a gift for this world and we wanna share that with people. But we don't miss the second thing. God cares about the temporary too. Read this verse with me, chapter, chapter, James chapter 127. We hear the word religion, and a lot of times it's an ugly word, but God gives us the definition here. It says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And God's called us to help the most vulnerable people. Man, I just think of the stories of your generosity and the way that you guys have changed people's lives. And God has taken your gifts of generosity and just taken it and exp exponentially taken it further than I ever dreamed it could have happened. And whether that's through counseling, and seeing lives restored and people's hope, you know, found back in, in, in marriages restored or their children's lives. You know, I thought I was going to lose my child to suicide. Or if you, if you hear the stories from Heart and Hand or Free Hot Soup, investments that you guys have made there make a difference day in and day out in people's lives. And so many people, the world oftentimes look as, this, looks at these investments as like a waste. Why would you give these people that money? Why would you spend your time and talent and effort in giving thanks to people that will never, ever change? And it's because they don't have a hope. 
But we know that God has something great for these people. And we know that God is using people in this church to invest in these people's life. And you guys all are, are grabbing and having a part of that by your generosity here. And we have a hope that God takes the eternal and gets a heart with, with people through the temporary that we got, go into. We point them to the bread of life because we give bread to the people that are hungry. Or we give a coat and warmth to those that are, are without while we're sharing with them the light of the world. Man, that is the eternal with the temporary. God has called us to have an idea of both and to, to invest in both of those things because that's what being rich towards God is. God has called us to, uh, to live locally and globally. In fact, one of the things we're getting ready to do here is called the Hope Center. We'll talk about that more later. But God's called us to be on mission, to have this tool just to invest in people's lives and point towards the eternal message that they have a hope in God while at the same time investing in them in their temporary situation as being some of the most vulnerable people in the world. I want to finish with this. I came across just a random story this week. And it kind of it kind of drove home for me the idea of what generosity is and being passionate about being uh, on board with something, something bigger than yourself. It's just like this crazy, really random story. And so the story is this: is that I heard a, I heard about a girl who is in one of the local uh, plays here in town, and to be part of the play, she needed a pair of dancing shoes. And she didn't have the money for it. Parents weren't behind. I don't know all the details. You don't know if there wasn't resources or there's just no care about, you know, what the girl wanted. She didn't have the dancing shoes to be part of this play. But she was passionate about being involved and being a part of something that was bigger than herself because this is something she wanted to do. So she took something that was of value to her, something that she could sell and monetarily get, got rid of her video game system, sold that, something that she probably extremely valued just to buy a pair of shoes to be a part of a play because she cared about it. And I want you guys to know that we are all called to be part of God's play. We all have star roles to play and God's calling us to be generous, to sacrifice. And maybe you're here today and you've never given or you've never invested in God's kingdom. And again, I'm not telling you an amount, I'm really not because it's really not about the money, it's about the heart. But I know this, the first time that I ever gave, something inside me changed because I knew that it was something bigger than me that I was investing in. And then the other thing is, is when I decided to become a regular giver, because I'd give sporadically, when I became regular, it's almost like eating. I mean, I think about eating three times a day, right? You probably do too. And it's so ingrained in us, I really don't even think about it anymore because I care about my health, I care about my body. Well, the same thing when it comes to giving. When I become a regular giver, man, it's something I do. It's something that I know that God's going to use. It's the investment God's gonna take. And I know there's so many of you here that are already just irrationally generous and God's called you to continue to do that because you've already seen the blessings of what God does and taking your resources. And you're not holding things tightly. You're holding things loosely and you're allowing God to use those time and talent and money that he's given you and you guys give back. So whether it's my dad's stuff that's going to a box that's trash, or whether it's the Monopoly game that's done and everything goes back in the box, everything ultimately ends up in a box. And that includes us. And whether you've been very, very successful by worldly standards or you haven't, whether you end up in a pine box or a gold box, you all are going to have an expiration date printed on your tombstone. 
in the things that you have, whether it's the time and talent and the resources, the bucket list, those things vanish. They're all put in the box with you and nobody remembers them. Nobody cares about them anymore. But the ways in which you are rich towards God will change lives. They will change the eternity of so many people's lives because God will use your gifts of generosity just to make a mark on his kingdom and just change the generations that will come after us. Would you guys pray with me? God, we come before you and God, we just, we're just so honored just to, to have an ability to come and worship you and just know that everything that we have that we hold on loosely and give back to you ultimately is yours. And God, I wanna pray for each person here. God, I pray for their heart. I pray for their generosity. God, I pray for them just to, to choose the way of life, to choose riches towards you. So I wanna pray for two groups of people. Maybe you're here today and you've been in church for a long time or you've been in and out. And you, you would say, you know, Barry, I used to be a generous person, but for whatever reason, I've gotten away from that. But I know that today God's called me to be a bigger part of what he's doing. And I would love to pray with you. If that's you today, would you raise your hand if you wanna get on mission with God and be that generous person that you used to be or that you know that God's called you to be? Can I pray for you? God, you see these hands, you see these hearts. God, just give them an ability just to follow through and just to love you in the way that, that you want them to. God, just help them to realize that their satisfaction is not in things and money and, and abundance of, of resources, but their heart and their satisfaction is only found in playing a star role in the play that you have for them. I wanna pray for one more group of people. Maybe you're here today and you've got a bucket list and that bucket list ever included knowing God. Maybe you don't have any idea of what it looks like to have a relationship with God and you don't understand the eternal, you've been focused on the temporary your whole life. But you know there's something missing because there's a dissatisfaction in your life. And there's a hole in your heart that only God can fill. Man, can I tell you that we're here for you and more importantly, God's here for you. And you can start that relationship today because God's calling you home. God's calling you to something better. So if that's you today, pray this prayer with me. This prayer doesn't save you, but the intention and the heart behind it will put you in a, a relationship with God just pray something like this. God, I know that I've been so short and I've sinned my whole life and everything that I've done has not brought me the happiness that I thought it would be. God, please take my brokenness and just take that and redeem that and heal that and allow me to be your child today because I want to follow the creator and the sustainer and the savior of the universe. And God, please hear my prayer today. Amen. Can everybody just give a huge round of applause for everybody that chose life today, that chose Jesus today? Man, I love the recipe for the blessed life that we're building in these weeks. And maybe today you are putting that foundation down of, I have started a relationship with Jesus. And let me say, we are so excited for you. And I have a couple of next steps for you specifically. And the first is this, you can take out your phone and text RLNEXT to 97000. It's gonna connect you to our website, a place where you can share your story, you can connect to some resources, but our team would love nothing more than to be able to encourage you on your journey with Jesus. And so let me encourage you to do that. If you're here with us in person, we actually have a bag um, on the table as you exit the worship center where you can grab, it has a free Bible inside and a connection to some of those resources that are going to help you in your journey with Jesus. So please grab one of those as well if you've made that decision today. And maybe today you're new with us or not coming regularly and you're like, you know what, I want to take that step towards generosity, but I don't know exactly what to do. And so I have a step for you. I'd like to invite you to be on mission with us as we've had an opportunity come up where we're going to give back to our community this 
this Thanksgiving season. And thanks to a very generous donation from the Jiggy Pig, um, we have the opportunity to help feed probably 16 to 20 families here at Kentucky Trail, a Thanksgiving dinner. And it's very generous given to them, but we need some help from our team to help shop for side dishes, to put those together and then help with delivery for those families here at KT and possibly out in the community in their homes. So we have a link on our website. If you go to reallifechurchkc.com, you click events, you're going to see that. You can sign up on there, get more information. You can reach out to me. We actually have a few extra meals. So if you or your family is in need of some help with food this Thanksgiving season, please reach out to me find me, find one of our staff people, somebody with a sticker, they'll be able to connect you. But I'd also love to get you down on that list as we have a few extra slots, if that is something that would be a blessing to your family this season. And then last, if you call Real Life Home, you've been coming for a while, you're connected with what we're doing here. My last next step for you is super exciting. And I love this time of year as we lean into generosity, we lean into Thanksgiving and the holidays. But we have a really big vision for real life. We have, and it's just starting at like the ground level of being here in Kentucky Trail and then moving to our Hope Center, ultimately to growing into a permanent facility in maybe multiple locations, campuses across our city, even across the world. And I love the big vision that God has given Sean and I and our team as we reach into those goals to do those things. And we are only able to do so much because, as you may know, if you live in our world, our vision often exceeds our resources. But what I love about real life is that y'all are so generous. I said y'all. I'm from Raytown. I don't say y'all. Unless it's like y'all, you know, it's like Thug Jesus and me, we're cool. Um, but no, but because you guys are so generous and you're a part of that, so many times we get to see God move and see what you give. God blesses and multiplies and sends back out. And so we're leaning into this season of our heart for the house generosity. So we are from now until November 28th going to be leaning into this season. And I'm excited to share with you that as our Hope Center has been slowly making its way through the city and all of the different millions of things you cannot imagine you have to get signed off on to build something in our city, um, we have all of the funds we need for the actual construction of the project. We worked through that last year. We've had many generous people continue to give through this year. But as we've seen the needs in our immediate future here with that, what the Hope Center could mean for our community and some of the different things that are coming our way of opening up counseling and, you know, opening up different opportunities for people to come in and learn, you know, finances, get a GED, find ways to help bring a restorative work of Jesus to our community. There's a few upgrades that we have found that would make that a really special place to be a huge blessing to our youth, to reach more teams to grow our team, to build leaders as we develop. And so if you would feel so inclined, a lot of what we're doing with Heart for the House this year is going to go to that. But it's just the first seed of this bigger vision that's coming to increase our online presence, to get more audio, video, lighting, filming equipment that's going to make a bigger difference for our online reach, to build our teams, to continue to grow and develop leaders, ultimately moving to those things that I talked about of increasing our reach across our city and the world. So I'd like to invite you to be a part of that because you guys can do that. And we don't want... Um, our vision to be underpaced by our generosity. You guys set the pace for what we're able to do here at Real Life, and so I'd like to invite you to be a part of that. If you're new with us today, um, do not feel inclined for all of that stuff because this gathering is our gift for you. We are so glad that you're here, and we do hope that you will connect with us at our New Here booth as you're making your way here. But I hope that you'll take advantage of some of these opportunities to make a difference. And you can do that by going to reallifechurchkc.com. You can click Give. There's actually already a Heart for the House drop down. If you're like, dude, I already talked to Jesus. We worked it out. I know what I'm giving. It's totally fine. It's open there for you. Um, you can text any amount to 84321. It's pretty slick. You can also, we have a gift 
giving box on your way out if cash or check is easier for you. And I want to encourage you with this video. If you're here last year, Sean gave a challenge. If everybody gave $10, what could God do? Um, and this video is kind of the first installment in a series of these videos to see what God is doing with the money that you gave. And so I want you to check out this video to see how your generosity is making a difference. Hey guys, I'm Holly with Real Life Church, and we are doing something special these next few weeks and blessing those who serve in our community. We are on our way right now to Free Hot Soup to surprise them with some generosity. Let's watch what God can do when we each give $10. Be free for a minute? We are. Awesome. Well, hey guys. We're excited to show how your generosity is making a difference. We are here at Free Hot Soup with Jill and with Lauren. Hey guys, we're just doing something super awesome these next few weeks and blessing people to serve in our community. And with Veteran Day coming up right around the corner, I know you guys are serving veterans here, those who are unhoused and food insecure. You guys are truly making a difference. They serve about 75 to 90 people each and every week, week in, week out, rain or shine. What a blessing you guys are to this community. So we want to present you with this check for $850. Oh my gosh. To free hot soup. For you guys to use in these upcoming winter months to use however you need, okay? Just a little something from us to you. Thank you so much. That is so nice. I can tell you during the next few months, it's critical that we keep an eye on our friends um, with the weather getting worse and we have to be really careful. Um, our whole focus is keeping them alive, so it's feeding them, providing them with clothing and shelter. But if the temperatures get um, you know, below 32, it gets very concerning. This money can be used to help do all the things that we do for all of our friends. Um, when the weather is not bad and then when it is bad or it gets serious, we can house them in local hotels and keep them from getting frostbite and succumbing to the elements as a couple of people did last year in Kansas City. Okay. So, so yeah, this would be, this is wonderful, wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yay, awesome. Well, we are so excited. We are honored to partner with you guys as you serve those in our community week in and week out here. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you all again. Thank you, Real Life. Thanks. Your generosity is truly making a difference week in and week out at Real Life Church. When you choose to say yes, we don't hold on to things. We're just a conduit for God. And like Sean said on Sunday morning, we are just the delivery boys. So I want to encourage you, come out these next couple weeks. Be a part of what God is doing through generosity right here at Real Life Church. And hey, we'll see you and a friend next week right here at Real Life Church. Have a great week. Hey, let's give God a hand for what he can do with just a small bit that we can give. And what an encouragement to see that. I love it too. What it says in God's word is that whatever we have, that God promises to give abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. And so that is so true with all that you give. So thank you guys for being here today. We're so excited that you came to worship with us. If you're new, check out our new here booth. If you need prayer for any reason, please come up front. There will be a member of our team here to pray for you and to connect with you in that way. We can't wait to worship again with you next week at 9:30 and 11. And as always, whoever finds Jesus, discover real life and purpose. You guys have a great week, okay?